0: Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you this morning.
1: Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you this Monday morning? Great, and We're fine.
0: It's easy to find the news that's disturbing. Yeah. But we're we're going to find something. The worst thing they could have the worst the, the most difficult way if it's really 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 bad. What I turn on, I say, oh, that'll wake up a few more people yeah, <laughs> and, and thing, things will change. But anyway, we'll do our best to be as objective as possible. Yeah, yeah. And that means we have to swear off television and everything yeah. else because you can get confused where there are. But anyway, um, there's a lot of talk about the presidential race and the speaker's race, and uh, just who's telling the truth and when all these problems are going to be solved. And there certainly is a lot of discussion on foreign policy uh, having something to do with you know finding a speaker. And this is uh, something that's been going on, uh, and uh, we have a solution to that. Just to have a non-interventionist foreign policy, then you don't have to have 16 different factions telling you how to operate your foreign policy you just stay out of other people's business mind our own business but anyway the um, interesting thing this weekend was Biden got uh, got interviewed and uh, he was interviewed by a very very challenging interviewer and making sure that they got all the truth out but uh, he's the most quoted statement that came from biden was that uh uh, we have an obligation you know it's a and when you say an obligation that always infers a moral obligation it's not a constitutional obligation it's not a social obligation uh it's a religious obligation for some people to do in foreign policy but uh His is sort of vague on purpose because just is to stir up. Well, if we're obligated to do it, we have to do it. So therefore, we're going to not want to be called unpatriotic. And so Biden says we do have an obligation in spite of the fact that we might have to deal with more than one problem. I mean, they're working on Ukraine, but it's sort of slowed down a little bit. It's not going going downhill quite as fast, (laughs) (laughs) but it's still a mess. So now they have, uh, in addition to that, we have uh, what's going on, uh, you, you know, uh, with uh, with the wars that's going on, uh, the obligations that uh, we have now to sell the Middle East, you know, uh, What's the obligation there? Well, I think that's what Biden was referring to. Uh, we we uh, we can not not the two elements fighting in the Middle East, the two elements, the Ukraine war, and uh, the the uh, Hamas that war that's going on. Oh yeah, those are too little. And we can we can take care of that. That's no problem. Of course. Uh, he should be taking care of a more who has an obligation, and what is the responsibility of the American people to the people who are constantly fighting? And uh, that, that's the challenge. But I see that the problem is interventionism, which means it's arbitrary. Uh, there is no firm principles based on that. And it, it vacillates, it goes back and forth. It isn't say, well, you ought to be a free country and we're going to encourage you. Uh, we will t- talk with you, we'll trade with you and try to set an example. But we're not gonna get in there and sell your disputes and your fighting. And of course, uh, ever since the uh, Governments, international governments, all the way back to the League of Nations—they've uh, stirred up trouble there, and it's, it's led to this. This is they, these were predictable events, even you know a, a good while ago. Because I think I think you cannot. Try to understand the Middle East and the current effects uh, in the Middle East without going all the way back to uh, 1917, mm-hmm. and, and it systematically got worse. It's, so after after World War II, it's always uh, somebody ah we have the answer. We know how to remake the Middle East. And I think George Bush even talked about remaking the Middle East. Well, what they they do is they just make a bigger mess out of it. And uh, I I don't think it'd be, uh, you know, too far removed from reality. That's what we're having now, a mess in the Middle East that was preventable.
1: Yeah, well, Biden was on 60 Minutes and uh, they gave a warning before the (laughs) segment aired. They said, well, the president's very tired and he's been managing all these crises, basically Don't expect too much, (laughs) and that was probably a wise warning. Put this first one on because this is uh, Steve Watson covering it. Uh, We've got this via Zero Hedge video. Biden says U.S. has, quote, an obligation to be involved in wars in Israel and Ukraine. As you rightly pointed out, Dr. Paul, we don't hear much about Ukraine anymore because the Israel-Palestine situation has blown up over the past week. And people are wondering, are they going to get more money in Ukraine? Well, we got to give some money to Israel. Well, we got to give some money to, you know, to Taiwan. And the president says, don't worry. We got this. <laughs> Let's, um, it's like a kid who, who took his dad's credit card and took all his <laughs> friends out drinking. Let's listen to this clip from Biden, if you want to put your headphone in, Dr. Paul. Here he is explaining how we got this, no problem. Are the wars in Israel and Ukraine more than the United States can take on at the no, same time? We're
0: the United States of America, for God's sake. The most powerful nation in the history, not in the world, in the history of the world. The history of the world. We can take care of both of these and still maintain our overall international defense. We have the capacity to do this and we have an obligation to. We are the essential nation as to, to, to paraphrase the former Secretary of State. And if we don't, who does?
1: I mean, it almost looks sad, Dr. Paul, when you watch that, because clearly we are the essential nation. We can handle everything. We can manage everything. He's clearly having a difficult time managing his own self and his own presidency. It just sounds like an empire that's in decline. I could imagine someone like Brezhnev or Chernenko, Uh, being interviewed, will the Soviet Union last forever? (laughs) Of course it will. Of course it will. We are strong. Uh, That's the feeling that I got when I watched it. When I was
0: watching that, I thought about a book written about 150 years ago, and it was called Extraordinary Popular Delusions and the Madness of Crowds. And when you listen to him, uh, you know, some people might say, well, what else could you expect? But this whole thing that to pass this over, And say, oh, we've been great in the past. We've conquered everybody. It's going to last forever. It won't cost us anything because we can print the money. And that is extraordinary. And it's very popular. And uh, what they're they're really frightened about it, and the military industrial complex can even turn on a Kennedy you know yeah. and say the, we are in trouble and we have to really have some strong uh, lobbyists in there to protect at least the uh, sh- the shrinking pie in order to uh, be be subsidized so this is a this is something they've uh, they've been frightened about and that's why I think they're because they don't have a solution they don't have an answer it's sort of like what's why doesn't the Federal Reserve always have the correct uh, interest rates and make the economy work smoothly? Because they don't have any idea what it is. And they don't know how, if you say, well, what we want is a, an empire because we have wealth and we have wisdom and we have all the weapons. and uh, but. But they they really don't. They do, the more they get involved in intervention, the bigger the hole is, and, uh, and the bigger uh, contribution they make to the uh, you know the uh, taking on of our freedoms and our money and and our prosperity. And it it's, it contributes significantly. And I think that uh, when I listen to him, he's you know he sort of had his smile yeah. there. This is a uh, this this is no no big deal. We we can do we this, can do this. <laughs> and. Uh, it, but the one thing is that delusion is probably less popular than he thinks yeah. because it is getting a little softer now that people are sick and tired of. Uh, and, and that's where we saw the break uh, a month ago, you know, with uh, Ukraine. Yeah. That yeah. People were getting tired of it.
1: Getting tired of it. Well, speaking of the Fed, we had former Fed chairperson and current Treasury Secretary, She was trotted out to give America more confidence in Joe Biden. And I don't know, when (laughs) Janet Yellen speaks and tells you everything is fine, you better grab your wallet, check your bank account. Let's listen to Janet Yellen telling the world that Joe Biden is in fantastic shape. If you can find that second clip and listen to that one. He is doing well. Let's listen to Janet. I know you're not backing uh, a woman to be president in the next election, because I know you'll, you'll be backing President Biden. Uh, loud and (laughs) and clear, does he still have the energy for another five years in the job?
0: Absolutely. He's um, very involved, very um, vibrant, um, is doing an excellent job. Um, And I think when we face the kinds of troubles that we have in the Middle East, you can see the benefit of um, deep experience and understanding of global issues.
1: He's very vibrant. He's doing a great job. Her somehow her delivery doesn't give you a lot of. Confidence. She just
0: supported my statement. <laughs> there, continue with the delusions. <laughs> so that's our that's her goal. But I guess in many ways that's what politics is all about. Yeah. You know the propaganda uh, that goes on, and they have to fool enough people to get fifty one percent, and then you become the dictator.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> the dictatorship of the majority, as long as we can pass out the delusional promises.
1: I mean, when I hear them talk about this, it reminds me of how they sounded before 2008. Oh, that Ron Paul's crazy. Everything is going fine. <laughs> There's not going to be a crash. You know, all those, you know, it just makes you feel that way. But so in the article, uh, 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 we talked about a little bit more. So, of course, we have to do both. We can do both. It's not a problem. Um, and Chuck Schumer, the Senate Majority Leader, he was talking about it. If we can put that next one uh, clip up, here we go. Speaking Sunday to reporters in Tel Aviv, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, who is leading a congressional delegation to Israel, said he and other members have talked with Israeli leaders about their needs. So we can do this. Here's the article. They heard from Israeli leaders about what is needed, and this is Schumer talking, and in munitions. We heard about precision-guided bombs. We heard about Iron Dome replacement. We heard about 150 millimeter mortars. We heard about JDAMs and many other things. And we also talked about what kinds of intelligence they need uh, and diplomatic help. So they gave Schumer a laundry list. The Israelis did say, hey, we need to, uh, we haven't quite flattened Gaza yet. We need a few more bombs to do it. Can you send over some 155s? Well, there's going to be a little problem with that, Dr. Paul, because let's go to the next one. This is from back in July when President Biden was interviewed, this is from uh, New York Post, July 9th. Biden let slip during an interview, U.S. is low on artillery ammunition rounds as it tries to aid Ukraine, sparking backlash. Quote, here's what he said, we're low on it. He's specifically referring to the 155 millimeter shells. And if you remember just a couple of months ago, the U.S. had to ship over cluster munitions packed into a 155 because we ran out of the conventional shells. So we literally gave all our weapons to Ukraine. And now Israel's saying, we need to flatten Gaza. Where's the weapons? Nobody knows. Well,
0: then you combine it with a policy that deals with our own borders. And uh, that means if, are, are we close to having an invasion? I think some people think so. It could be like an invasion. So what do we do? We we subsidize it. We, give it. we feed them and take care of them, we, and we take the money out of poor people in this country to subsidize that thing. So it it makes no sense. It's a policy that's going overseas, and you think, well, you know, uh, you, you're a conspiracy. Theorist. I think they have something on their mind. I, I think they want to take over the world. If they take it over after they're done with it, there won't be a whole lot left. That's why we have to take it over with uh, or influence it, you know, with the ideas that might bring about peace
1: yeah well we'll see Biden is convinced that we can do all this we can manage the world um, but it's gonna take a little money let's go to our next clip because this is our item number two that's related uh, this comes from Bloomberg I think um, supplemental funding requests for aid to Israel and Ukraine could come this week now we don't see Taiwan there but they may slip in a couple bucks for Taiwan Uh, And I don't know, Dr. Paul, supposedly they're putting together the funding. Uh, Biden said it'll be significantly more than two billion dollars, which I don't think surprises anyone. But the question is, and you've been following this closely, too. We don't have a speaker. The speaker's race is very, very muddy right now. We've had the the House Armed Services Committee chairman now go over to Jordan's side, but it's not clear that he has the votes. I just wonder I, what do you think is going to happen. I don't know, but they got to get this money through. They don't have a speaker. Is this going to clarify, you know, uh, people's views? Well, you know, the
0: big question people will be watching is their strategy going to work because they they say. Picking sides is really tough in the Middle East because uh, there's more people cheering for uh, Hamas, and it's a mixed deal. So uh, you can't say, "Well, you know, uh, Israel's responsible for all the mess. We have to bail out and help help uh, y- you know the uh, Palestinians." But uh, you know, the whole thing is, is maybe uh, uh, put it together. Uh, that the typical thing in Congress, yeah, yeah. Make, make them vote for something they don't like. And that's how so much bad stuff gets uh, passed. But it'd be interesting to see if the people who are sick and tired of funding over there uh, what, what, so you can't even get a position where, yes, I'm, I'm against the weaponry for Ukraine, but not against Israel. Yeah. That's not available to you because they put it together to try to blackmail you into is, in, into doing that. But, you know, they have to what I see happening right now is, you know, we listen to the. Uh, uh, you know the uh, Biden and Yellen, yep. and they're so calm, cool, and they just <laughs> say, you know, this is necessary, and we're doing the Lord's work. Uh, but, but you know what, what? What they're drum beating for is there. Everybody involved probably has either no uh, religious beliefs or they're different in our country yeah, because yeah. because that's just the way it is. But what they're doing is a political religious zeal. That they have you know that and and the whole thing is is you, you know you're going to get punished if you don't go along with it you know you could be cancelled yeah. or you know, something like that so that's where that's where the problem is and, and you sense that that it has to be the uh the the propaganda is going to get more and more so it'll be very interesting to see what happens on this this vote when they put the money in for for the two countries
1: <laughs> yeah i mean i don't see how I mean, obviously they're putting the two together because they know no Republican is going to vote against Israel money, um, but they're very hesitant about Ukraine money. And you know, we had Zelensky was asking if he could go along, tag along with Blinken to Israel. I was reading about it today. He said, "Hey, can I come along? There's a seat on the plane." And Israel said, uh, "You know, Zelensky, just take it easy. We don't need you right now." He's desperate for that for that you know, limelight. Um, so a lot of Republicans are not are not going to be that enthused about voting for Ukraine money, but you're right. Um, when you put it together with Israel money, I can't see a Republican voting against it. And I think there's a sense in Congress that this will be the about the last tranche of money that, that Ukraine is going to get. It's very clear after a hundred and some billion dollars, after literally all the weapons we have and Europe has, uh, Ukraine has not done well. The counteroffensive has been a complete and absolute failure. We've had, I think, 90,000 Ukrainian men die uh, from June until now in the counteroffensive. Things aren't going to change. We're heading into the fall months where the ground is squishy and you can't really do much. So nothing's going to change in the short term. I think they see that this gravy train is almost over. There's a new gravy train coming in Israel. uh, But in the meantime, you've got to pass as big a package as possible for Ukraine one last time into the breach.
0: You know, I think the people wanting all this money realize it's getting tougher and tougher. Not only are the people speaking out about it, but it's also that the treasury is bare and they, they know they eventually have to deal with that. But what they're doing now, they, yes, you read the, off the list, that Schumer say what military needs are there. That's, yeah. That'll still exist. The Military industrial complex is there. But they also know that things will eventually will settle down. And they started already. I mean, the tragedy of uh, what's going on in Gaza, you, you know, uh, uh, I think that's store stirring up the Palestinians yeah. here in this country. So uh, here we've been involved in that type of foreign policy, whether it's uh, Ukraine or the Middle East or whatever. And uh, we, we participate in it and, and aggravate it. And uh, they, they, they come on now oh, we're there for humanitarian reasons. <laughs> There's people, they don't have water and they don't have this. And uh, it's just sickening yeah. for me because I, I think they, they know darn well they're lying through their teeth. Yeah. and uh, But they have taken something that there are a lot of people over there they're volunteers and some of them have already been killed and they're strictly there as honest people to, to help out the situation over there and they do have humanitarian instincts but this is the professionals doing that and they'll use this well you've got to help the people who have suffered from abc yeah. and uh, and then they also get the, the military industrial complex saying boy we've, we've did we give away all those good weapons? I think I think we better rearm. <laughs> yeah,
1: build some more. Build some more. Well, it's a disaster, and we'll keep watching. The world is watching. There looks like the Israelis are getting ready for a ground invasion. It's an ill-advised one, according to a lot of the people that we watch. But we'll see what happens. But I guess we'll move on to um, a good news story because we need to end on a higher note, uh, particularly when we talk about the dangers in the Middle East. Of of a real escalation. Um, let's put that next one up. I think this is from, where is it from? Maybe Bloomberg. Political? Yeah, Switzerland refuses to take, side, take sides in ever more divided world. Now, you and I have been a little bit depressed lately about how Switzerland, who we both admire, I spent a week there as a, uh, as a young leader. Back when I was young, I wasn't a leader, but um, a lot of affinity for Switzerland. But they have made some boo-boos lately uh, right. in terms of their neutrality and a gold standard and what have you.
0: I have told you, I've mentioned it to you, and I sort of bring it out when I think of, uh, you know, when Switzerland was different and, and they the way the government's put together is very similar. And somebody, somebody from Switzerland was here and I said, well, who's your, who's your president? He says, nobody knows who the president is. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> and uh, you know, they have a committee and they rotate it and all that. And, you know, that sounds like a pretty pretty good idea. And the average person doesn't know. How many American citizens would know it? And I look at this all the time. I'd have to go and check the book. Yeah. Who's the president of Switzerland? That's great. And, uh, <clears throat> and that tells you what type of system that they have had in the past it's too bad they don't <clears throat> and I think there was one little hint that they were talking about maybe talking about gold again because yeah. they were the last ones to go off the gold standard and the Swiss franc was always the strongest currency yeah,
1: absolutely That's what everyone wanted it well here's from that article if we can go on it looks like they're going to look back to neutrality and start embracing neutrality again Switzerland's biggest political party wants to double down on neutrality just as conflicts in Ukraine and the Middle East make a non-aligned stance more difficult to sustain. Of course, that's their spin on it. Oh, those dumb Swiss, how dare they? Anyway, the article goes on. The right-wing Swiss People's Party, which is set to win the largest share of the votes in elections later this month, is seeking to collect 100,000 signatures by May to trigger a vote on whether to enshrine everlasting neutrality into the Constitution. That would allow it to roll back sanctions against Russia that won praise from U.S. President Joe Biden. And as you can tell from this little clip, Dr. Paul, um, it's very snide article from Bloomberg, as can be expected, that the Swiss are going to embrace neutrality. That's old-fashioned, like a certain chairman of a certain committee told you. Dr. Paul, that's old-fashioned. We don't <laughs> do that anymore. Well, the Swiss, it sounds like they're coming to their senses yeah. on this issue.
0: You know, there's been other elections, too. Argentina and others. There's been elections that have... Slovakia. They, they are yeah. The,
1: no more... So um,
0: it's slow and tedious, but <clears throat> it's so much more valuable when, when the philosophy is changing. But that's why I think they're cracking down more on the First Amendment, because yeah. they know that truth is breaking out and their system has failed. You know, people don't get up and chant and, and say, you know... Those Russians, those Russians, they—they uh, they have problems today. But boy, they—they uh, they were really, really bad. But we endorse what uh, Stalin. We endorse. Yeah. Well, you know, that's over and done with. I mean, they, they self-destructed, and uh, this—this this is the reason when you hear of one leader and the people speaking out, and that's why we saw hints of the uh, lockdown breaking out but unfortunately too much has been retained yeah. There are some people who, who liked all that stuff they like to be guided and told and made safe and they, they really believe continuously there's a large number of people that believe the government's major job is to make them safe and they're capable of doing it and exactly the opposite is true
1: yeah well imagine if the u.s had neutrality how different the world would be right now We could actually be a broker between Palestinians and the Israelis, you know, because we don't take sides. We can invite them to New York. Okay, guys, let's sit down and hammer this out. Bring in some other countries in the region. But we're not seen that way. We're not seen as being neutral because we've taken sides in the whole thing. So we could we could do far more for peace if we had been neutral. We would be far richer. We'd be more like the Swiss. We wouldn't have thirty four trillion dollars in debt. We wouldn't have flushed a hundred trillion, a hundred billion dollars down the toilet on Ukraine. You know, everything would be better if we also embrace this idea of neutrality. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, some of <clears throat> some of the members of the Congress are uh, are in conflict about the money going to Ukraine and Israel. Uh, what is the solution? I think I, I know a senator that made this <laughs> su- <laughs> suggestion. <laughs> that is, oh, we'll do it equally. Which take money from it don't send money to either side side. (laughs) oh that that is way (laughs) too just think of how many special interests you're charging when you do that (laughs) but uh the system will run out of steam and just as just as the soviet system ran out of steam and i always remark that i think the collapse of the soviet system is remarkable not one tank because during the years during the cold war there was a couple of countries over near where you used to work <laughs> where people tried to rebel yeah. and the tanks rolled in, yeah. you know, yeah. and then you can't b- do that at all. And all of a sudden it was it was over. over. But unfortunately, it hasn't been substituted with libertarianism and freedom. But uh, it certainly it canceled a, a lot of the violence. Yeah. And. Uh, and right now we we know that the american people are sick and tired of it that doesn't mean it's not violent the yeah. fact that we don't send the soldiers there but what about what about the policies so what about you, you know the policies are hurting people if we give the weapons to somebody else and run the show you know they have to do what we tell them yeah. and so once once you know there are weapons then i say that we're uh, we're, we're part of the
1: problem part of the problem exactly
0: (laughs) or the problem
1: yeah well i'm going to close out i think if you think we're ready dr paul i was just going to mention that i went to the wings over houston air show yesterday i took my son the two of us went we had a great time watched the thunderbirds who i've seen so many times and i always love to see them they're so unbelievably terrific a lot of great uh, airplanes that we saw but you know i was walking along and i heard i heard my name and i said what i don't i don't know anyone here I turned around, it's a, it's a gentleman who says, I watch the Liberty Report every day. I love you guys. Tell Ron Paul I love him. So I shook his hand. We talked for a little while. He's from Houston. So it's just nice to hear that, you know, that the show is getting around. It, it gives me a lot of energy. He was a super nice guy. Um, so anyway, I just thought I'd throw that in. I'm going to throw something else in, which is a book. If we go to the very last clip, I'm going to throw in Dr. Paul's book. I think we got about a box left of books. We're gonna give these away as a thank you to those who help support our fall fundraiser. We are a 501c3 charity so you can, to the extent of the law, you can tax deduct your donation to the Ron Paul Institute. I will add a clip on how we can send you either a softcover or even a hardcover forever book signed by Dr. Paul. His latest book, The Great Surreptitious Coup, Who Stole Western Civilization? We're going to have, we have limited supplies, we have a limited time because primarily we want to get you these before Christmas because they make great presents and you're going to want to read them yourself. So back to you, Dr. Paul. Very
0: good. I'm going to say something as a possibility, but not much of a possibility. But it crossed my mind that would be very tragic, you know, what they're trying to do. You know, I'm, I'm surprised that they've waited this long. So there is some ambivalence about what Israel's going to do. You know, usually it's 24 hours. They've done something. There's something going on there. But they said, we're coming, we're coming, we're on the borders and we're going to blast you to smithereens. You better get out of here and you all need to move south, get south of the river. And I got to thinking, what what are they going to do if it's empty? Is there any chance that the Israelis would annex? It? <laughs> you know, you know, even if it's not annexed, but 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 they've they've expanded their their geography that way. But even if they didn't do it, you know, they just might. They have walls all the time. They might say, no, it's too late now. You can't go back home. So they've eliminated the northern part and as Gaza, you know, so that. That's a terrible thought because uh, uh, it it just means more and more trouble. And uh, I don't have any, you you know, secret insight to what they're doing. But I I am still, I still am challenged by the fact that uh, the retaliation hasn't occurred and the threats and intimidations and the pictures of, boy, the troops are there. Tomorrow we're going to march through. So... uh, We'll we'll wait and see. Uh, I I would vote against that program. (laughs) (laughs) I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. To the Liberty Report, please come back soon.